0: Father, thank You for the Word. Thank You for the Holy Spirit that administrates it. We just uh, invite You, Lord, to grow us up in all aspects. Let us see, by revelation, the father-child relationship that Jesus Christ modeled, taught, demonstrated, and offers to us. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you're new around here, my name is Steve Eden. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Church. Uh, our desire is that if you don't know Jesus, you get connected to Him personally and intimately. I mentioned that a moment ago. If you do know Him, we want to help you continue to grow up in all aspects into Him and uh, be His disciple. I love this one. Lastly, if it's found out about you, what's been found out about the rest of us, uh, that you need Jesus too, <laughs> we're here to help and not condemn you. had a... Uh, He's working this morning, but just a beautiful experience this week in my office with a young man who uh, experienced that, you know, realized, came to himself, if you will, that he's far from perfect, that he needs the Lord, and he got gloriously born again this week. He wants to be baptized, and uh, yeah, amen. I was texting him this morning because he regretted he couldn't be here because he's working, but uh, Colossians one sixteen. We're all made by Him and for Him. And when you see a human being connect spirit to spirit and heart to heart with the living God's Spirit, it life's them. Amen. It is a homecoming. And uh, we're not only made by God on this planet, we're made for Him. So here is uh, my ask for this week because I typically forget at the end. So please eat or sit with Jesus in Luke 15, verse 20, we're going to be back in the parable of the perfect father today, or you may know it as the parable of the prodigal son. Luke fifteen, twenty, and share your love letters or thoughts with a close friend, or you can email us at staff at gracechurch.community. We'd love to hear from you, and we do hear from many of you. So we've been centering, the, the series is the centrality of Jesus. We're centering all that we are. Uh, on christ relaying him as the foundation of our individual life our public life our private life amen our business our marriage whatever it may be we want him to be the center uh, how do we do this we need to know his person we need to know his mission what did he come here to do and then we also need to know his teaching this is where we've been jesus came and taught truth he bore witness to the truth is what he told Pilate. he also Uh, taught and modeled for us God as our Father. Jesus came introducing a new way of relating to God. So we're dealing with a lot of people who knew God from behind a four-inch thick veil. That if you went in there with sin in your life, you're liable to drop dead. I mean, only the priests went in, for starters. But uh, they tied a rope around his ankle in case there was sin in his life and he dropped dead in the presence of God. Jesus comes into that culture. And when they say, Lord, you seem like you've got it going on. Would you teach us to pray? He said, pray this way, our Father. He is introducing, modeling, teaching, and handing off to you and me a brand new way of relating to God as our Father. In other words, that we're family. We're family with the living God. I know, I know it's mind-blowing, but literally born of His Spirit, His offspring, born again by an incorruptible seed, the Word of God, Christ Himself on the inside of our heart. So nobody called, nobody in the Old Testament called God Father. Jesus shows up using the term Abba. Which is Daddy God? That's how we would translate translate it. Jesus came uh, introducing prayers, like I said, "Our Father who art in heaven." He said things like in John fourteen twenty three, "The Father and I will come and make our home with you." The Father and I, we're coming and we're going to make our home with you. I mean, it's just it's just profound. A new way of relating to God, and when people would question Jesus Christ about his his mission, his ministry, his methods, even, "What are you doing here?" They're confused by him. He would always refer back to his father, "My father sent me. That's what I'm doing here. Uh, I do the works of my father." John eight, he said, "Some of you do the works of your father, the devil. You're his offspring. I'm, <laughs> I'm the unseen." Uh God, the, the one and only true God, I am of Him. I am His offspring. I do my Father's works. I say what my Father says. And I want you to get this, that He's bringing this. He's not just teaching it. He's modeling life as a Son to God as Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So He's the way we're designed to relate to God. He's the truth about us. He's the life to be expressed in and through us. So I know it's crazy if you're familiar with that four-inch veil, but this is what Jesus Christ came introducing, that we could know God as our father i want to give you some uh, recap here some bible drill john 16 25 in the passion jesus said i've spoken to you in figurative language but the time's coming when i'll i'll no, no longer do it with veiled speech but i'll teach you plainly about the father with your eyes unveiled second corinthians 3 whoever turns to the lord right the veil is removed I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf for you'll ask Him directly. Look at this. He's, this is not a new way to pray. I want you to just pray in Jesus' name now and you can pray that He's, He is handing you a relationship with God as your Father. You won't need to ask Dad on your behalf. You'll ask Him directly because of your new relationship with me for the Father tenderly loves you. Now in, uh, New King James, the word loves there is phileo in the Greek, Philadelphia phileo, brotherly love. It's actually a kinship love by family, by blood. If you look up the word kinship for the father himself tenderly loves you, the father looks at you as his offspring when you're born again born of a spirit and because you love me and because and believe that i've come from god i came to you sent from my father's presence and i entered into the created world and now i will leave this world and i'll return to the father's side i'm going to return solely to the dimension of the spirit okay so god's plan all along i know this is marvelous in our eyes but i've got good news for you it was all his idea it's okay for you to believe it It's okay for you to believe that God wants you walking in a father-son, father-daughter relationship. Because He made it all happen and it was always His plan. I'll prove it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, He chose us that we would be holy and without blame before Him in His love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of the, He wanted to do it. Before... Any of the world was even made. This was His plan was sonship. So if you try to relate to God as a slave or I'm just way off over here, you know, we'll get into that in prodigal son. I'm not good enough to be a son. I'm just going to be a servant. Uh, I'll serve God at arm's length. That's not the plan. That's not His desire for you. The good pleasure is will. Verse 6, to the praise, of the glory of His grace by which He made us all, what? Accepted in the Beloved. You're accepted in God the Father's presence. Period. Because of Jesus Christ. You need to, you really need to let that settle in your spirit and your mind. I'm accepted. Does that mean everything that you do is acceptable? No. No. But you are not what you do. I just exposed a humongous lie most human beings believe right there. You are not what you do. You are who the God of the universe who himself is truth. You are who he says you are. And he says that you're accepted. I love that. And in Galatians 3.26, Paul writes, For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And ladies, you realize sons includes you. He's just talking about offspring, begotten of God, relating to him like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, relating
0: to him as family. He's joined himself to you supernaturally by the Spirit. Who who reconciled you to himself? Who did that? God did. Who took down the veil of separation? Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't your good works? sure it wasn't your church attendance that did it. Remember when you witnessed to that one guy? Remember that? that is that what took the veil down? Because you're such a good witnesser? One day, one time? No. God took the veil down. What am I saying? It's all His idea. It's okay to believe it. It's okay to enjoy fellowship and family with God, the God of the universe, as your Father. Because He did it. Everybody say, He did it. Galatians 4, 6. Let me just camp right there. Is there, could we have ever done enough? I mean, sober yourself. Could you really have done enough? God's pretty holy. So the only one, do you agree, the only one that could have done something about our sin and separation issue, because we were separated from God due to our sin, the only one that really could have done something about it to make it right was God. And did He? then what are we waiting for? Why, why do we live down in the mulley Why do we live beneath the level of our blessing? Man, take Him at His word. I can answer the question for you because I've, I've been there. We do it because we we think truth is derived, reality is derived from how we feel and what we think about ourselves or maybe what Joe said about us or somebody else. Truth comes from God. Look at this, Galatians 4, 6, Passion and so that we would know that we are His true children, God released the same Spirit of Sonship Jesus showed up with into our hearts. Where's that Spirit that was in Christ? Where, where now? In you, in your heart, moving us to cry out intimately, My Father, My True Father. New King James, it's Abba Father. Same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now moving in your heart, crying out, Daddy God, I'm a father. Wow. And from I, you know why I have authority to share this message? I mean, yes, you can quote to me Matthew 28. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto Jesus Christ, and he's in me. So he is our authority to preach the gospel. That's true. But let me tell you why I have a little added authority, because I have lived this. I have lived much of the Christian life estranged from God, not as close as I could be because I was trying to get there on Jesus, yes, but plus me. And so what I would do, there's only two places you can go with self-righteousness, self-based connection with God. There's only one of two places. You either go down in the dirt, that's where I went, I'm terrible, I'm no good, I can't get this close, I'll just have to live this close. Which is still self-righteous and still not true. Steve's good works aren't even good enough to get me this close. That's a lie. But the other place you go is pride dressed, you know, in a tuxedo. That I'm amazing and I'm better than all the sinners. I'm better than everybody else. Well, they're not the standard. Jesus is. So unless you're more righteous than Him, you better bow the knee. And you better thank God every day for His grace and His mercy. Come on, give Him praise. Amen. Amen. I love that. We're crying out, Abba, Father, my true Father. Now we're no longer living like slaves towards God under the law. But we enjoy now being His very own sons and daughters. And because we're... You belong to Him. You ever wondered, God, why don't you leave me? You ever wondered that? I would have left me a long time ago. I've been there. (laughs) He won't leave you. He won't leave you or forsake you because He cannot deny Himself. He won't leave you because He purchased you. He bought you. You belong to Him. He is incapable of forsaking you. You see... When, when you see that truth, you realize, man, I live way too much out of my feelings. I live way too much out of what I think about myself instead of truth. So we're no longer uh, slaves. We're His very own sons and daughters. And because we're His, because we belong to Him, look at this. We can access everything. Everybody say everything. Yes. Everything our Father has is ours. Everything our Father has is ours. For we're heirs because of what God has done. You know what He wants you to do? He wants you to live full He wants you to live giving it all away. Don't hoard love. Don't hoard forgiveness. You'll never run out. Don't hoard joy. Give it all away. Live full because your Father is the source and supply of all this and you'll never lack. Oh, Steve, but if I forgive that person, they're liable to hurt me again. Well, you're going to have to trust the Lord to be your defense and to be the healing and the love that you need that uh, that, por- that person left you void of. You know, it's, we, we act like when we forgive somebody that somehow we left with a debt somehow. Christ makes up whatever love, you know, let, wh- however they violated you, they didn't love you like you should be loved. You're not void of love because Bill didn't give you any. Christ is the love that Bill didn't give you. So what does that mean? You're still full? Yes. You live, you live by his supply. So he wants you to, you know, give it all away. In John 13, I was in prayer shield yesterday and the Lord was speaking to me about the men and how men are rising to take their place in the kingdom of God. Amen. And all the ladies said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, about time is what they say. Well, It's not funny. It's true. <laughs> I was talking to Juanita. Juanita's been in intercessory prayer probably, I don't know, 40 years of her life. She said, I can probably think of five prayer meetings I've been to my whole life where we didn't pray for men. Not in a bad way, <laughs> but in the way that they would step up, they'd, they'd take their rightful place, figure out who they are. And listen to what the Lord told me, Matt. I heard him, he said... They're rising. And I said, what happens when the men rise? And he he said, what did I do? And immediately I went to John 13 in my spirit. It says in verse 4, Jesus arose from supper, took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. He said, my men in this season will arise and serve. They will arise and give and be given. And one more, there were three of them. They will arise and wash. They will wash others' with the Word of God. Isn't that powerful? So there is an arising, but that arising will be to be given. Well, you can't be given if you're still trying to earn something. But if you understand that it's all yours in Christ, you're literally married to Jesus Christ, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and God is your heavenly Father, and so you have access to everything that belongs to the Father, then you'll never live in the lie of lack again. You'll really get a hold of the Lord is my shepherd and I don't lack for anything. Amen. We talked about last week. What 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 happens when the guy at the job got the promotion you felt like you should have got? Well, you need to rejoice with him. You need to go share scripture with him that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Brother, you're blessed. And he may say, well, I really thought you should have got the promotion. Didn't you? think, well, sure, I thought that I was in line for that promotion. I thought I would get it, but I'm rejoicing with you that you got it. The Father blessed you, brother. God, the Father blessed you. Well, aren't you worried about, you know, the the size of your paycheck? Listen, brother, even though I work at this company, they're not my provider. My provider is my heavenly father. And what I know to be true is that I have access to everything that the father has. So whatever I have need of, he is. Go ahead and give him praise. Amen. That's good. Good preaching little preacher. Everybody say I'm not a slave. I am a son. Let's go back to Luke 15. <clears throat> Now, I broke these down into scenes because, and I don't know if I'll get through them all today, but, uh, and I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate that many of you have not seen what Jesus is unveiling in the parable of the, of the prodigal son, which is really about two jacked up boys and one great dad. <laughs> surprise, surprise, the revelation is about the father. And two boys that want to get to him based on their own resume. One of the kids' resumes is a disaster. Still self-righteous enough, though, to think that he could serve his father from a distance. Still self-righteousness. And then the other boy, well, he's really jacked up. I mean, he's, he's using his resume, but he thought the standard was his brother. <laughs> and not Jesus Christ, not the father himself. So here we go. Scene one is the deception of the flesh and self-centeredness. If you're taking notes, this is scene one. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his dad, Hey, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided it to his boys. Not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together, went to a far country and wasted his possessions with prodigal living, basically worldly living. But when he had spent everything he had, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him who sent him into the, the fields to feed swine. Now in the Jewish culture, culture this, this is the low of the low, okay? That's the point. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one was giving anything to him. So in scene one, with the deception of the flesh and the deception of self-centeredness, all of us have believed this lie, that at some point the world and uh, its materialism is somehow going to satisfy us. We've all bought into the lie, as Adam and Eve did, that God is holding out on us somehow. That there's something better for us. There's something more out there. More joy, probably, in that prodigal living. More joy out there in the world than there is here with my Father. My way. How about this? My way is the best way. I know this isn't the Father's plan, but you know what? My way is the best way. You want to know the, one of the things I'm, I really want to grow in? I want to grow in only doing what my Father's desires are. Yeah, I really do. So there's things that you and I choose as born-again children of God that are good for us. And I don't think there's a whole lot wrong with that. I want to do this because I know it's right. I know it's scriptural. It's good for me. It's healthy for me. But, man, I really want to go through... Each and every day, simply with the thought, Father, what do you desire me to do? What glorifies you? What, what makes you thrilled? I know this would thrill me. What makes you thrilled? And then I'm living on this, out of this ongoing relationship with God as my father and really desiring the desires of Dad's heart. What are you doing, Father, in this situation? What glorifies you in this situation? Does that make sense to you? So we've all been there. Uh, the real deception of sin is not that it's just bad, because it is bad. The wages of sin is death. Uh, but the real deception of sin is that it could ever satisfy you. You're not made by sin and for sin. And so you know if the enemy's telling you to do something that's not in Scripture but you really think it's going to be awesome. It's a deception. All right. Luke 15, 17, scene two. He comes to himself. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish here with hunger. This is how low he is. He doesn't even, he's not even really talking about being a slave because slaves could live in the bunkhouse. They had shelter and they would be fed. Now they weren't fed well, treated well, anything. But a hired servant is just somebody who comes along like he's doing with the swine and basically he's he's feeding on the pods and the food that the pigs wanted to eat because there's no food for even the slaves. So hired servants are fed after the slaves. And so that's why he's just in the pig pens. Basically, well, whatever you can find, go out to the pig trough and see what you can dig up. But the second thing here that we see is he comes to himself. We've all been here too, haven't we? Sometimes we have to realize who we're not before we can discover who we really are. We have to figure out the hard way <laughs> that uh, that's not who we are. That's not who we're created to be. And in those moments, you've got to learn to talk to yourself. He's coming to himself, rehearsing a speech. There's nobody around. He's talking to himself. And listen, don't be your own worst enemy. The most important voice to you in this life is God the Father's. The second most important voice is your own. Now Donna and I were talking just a moment ago. I love that Donna, when she struggles in life, she does a big piece of stupid as we call it. She, Man, she's going to go feed on truth. That's what she's going to do. She's going to talk herself up in truth. Too many of us talk ourselves down. We talk ourselves out of who we really are, what we really have, and what we can do. I encourage you this week on Wednesday in the Word. Josh Kirkus is my guest, and uh, we've, already, we've already recorded it, but it'll air this Wednesday. Um, we talked about how do we deal with being a new creation identity. And this came out of some of his testimony last week. He was a born-again child of God, but man, he would stumble. And he would blow it big time. How do we deal with, I'm supposed to be a new creation, but my old man keeps showing up? You better know who you are. You better know where to go for truth. And I had to make a decision myself. When I struggled and struggled in college, I had one sin I just could not graduate from. I couldn't move on to better sin. Uh, I was stuck. <laughs> That's a crazy statement, isn't it? We think some crazy thoughts. But I couldn't graduate. I couldn't get beyond it. And I had to make a decision. Who has the truest information about me? Because right now, I feel like I'm a loser. I feel like I'm the worst Christian on the planet. But God says that I'm righteous. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm a well-pleasing son. He says, I am these things. Will I believe Him? Which means what? I'm going to get up. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to keep going because this is a marathon, not a sprint. Or I could just Lay down in the hole with no impact and quit and say, no, I know more about me than God does, which is absolute arrogance. So he's talking to himself, and I'm encouraging you to start encouraging yourself. And if you're married, I beg you, on behalf of Christ, encourage your spouse. Be the, be the voice of encouragement when they blow it. You know, it's interesting because when we... If we tell somebody we love them every day of our life, wouldn't it be somewhat important that when we figure out they're not perfect, we might demonstrate that we meant we love them? We can't tell people we love them all day, every day, and then when you figure out they screwed up, huh? well, see ya. <laughs> Let me give you a good example. Real life example. There was a pastor of a church and he had pastored there, I think, 18 years. His daughter was 16. That church, they loved the pastor. They told him how much they loved him. Told the wife how much uh, they loved her. Told the 16-year-old daughter, by now they had a 16-year-old, uh, how much they loved her. We love you, pastor. We love your family and all that. Well, the girl got pregnant out of wedlock. And guess what they did? They fired him. Guess what else they did? They kicked him out. So w- what exactly... Did I love you mean? <laughs> so, you know, in, in marriage or in relationships, people are going to make mistakes. Surely you figured this out. So, if you're not willing to love them when the rubber meets the road, you shouldn't be saying it. That was all free of charge. Amen. <laughs> something else here as he's coming to himself. Remember this, the father will use your trips to the pig pen. He'll use them. Don't give your trip to the pig pen to the devil because he'll assassinate you with it. You give it to the father who is very redemptive. Romans 8, 28 comes to mind that he causes all things, even trips to the pig pen, to work together for those, amen, that love him and are called according to his destiny. Amen. That's why I say your past doesn't... You don't belong to your past. Your past belongs to you and a redemptive Father. So you got to be able to know that He's going to use your trip to the pig pen. God wastes nothing. There's nothing He can't redeem. Look at the cross. The cross looks like the worst day ever. And Jesus Christ turned it into our redemption. What looks like man at his absolute worst, they killed him also shows us God as it, as his absolute best at his absolute best jesus didn 't lament the cross; he used it to redeem us he is a it is the power of God he is a redemptive father, so give your pass to him. The best way to meet any type of suffering, and we all suffer. Can I get a witness on that? Life is hard. Marriage is hard. All those things. Raising children uh, is hard. So so the best way to meet any type of suffering, whether you've inflicted it on yourself or someone else has inflicted suffering on you. Listen to me. The best way to combat it is let God use it. Let God redeem it. Because everything is usable to him. He can turn it. Touch your neighbor and say he can turn it. Scene three is a faith too small. A faith too small. He's got faith in his dad's goodness or he wouldn't have gone home. Amen. He did go home. So smart boy, (laughs) semi-smart. But he way undersells his father's love and compassion. And what else? He way undersells like we do that the father won't settle for anything less than sons. Don't come to me as a slave. Don't, don't come to me like my blood wasn't good enough to get you here. That's what we do. Insulting the blood that he shed. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but hey, I am good enough to be a hired servant. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're good enough to be dead. Isn't that right? The wages of sin is death. That's If you want to get there on merit, buddy, you're dead. That's what the law taught us. One and done. You break it in one instance, you're guilty of breaking all of it. A faith too small, I'll never forget. This is about proper value assignment. Do you assign more value to your past and your ability to screw up Or do you assign more value to God's love and his ability to cleanse you one time for all time through Jesus Christ? It's about proper value assignment. I'll never forget the Lord saying this to me and he said it to me on several occasions, especially back there in college when I was struggling thinking, how can you love somebody like me? If you just watch me, I cannot keep all these rules. Here's what he said to me. Steve, why do you think so much of your mistakes and so very little of my compassion? You see what he's doing? He's taking all of Steve's excuses to live an estranged life and putting all my emphasis on him. If this is all up to you, Steve, I get why you're way out in the North 40. But if this is based on me, why are you not right See, guys, this is the gospel. A lot of what we hear in America is not the gospel. This is the gospel. This gospel should get out. (laughs) Amen? Because I believe human beings want to be close to God. We're made for Him. It's in our wiring. Well, that's a powerful truth. If this is based on me, Steve, then why aren't you here with me? It's that self-based righteousness thing, man. We so struggle with that. All right. Let me see if there's anything else. Um, he sold his father's love and desire for sonship short. I mentioned that. I mentioned the resume. Both boys are confused. They're trying to get there on their own resume. Too many of us know ourselves by the flesh and not how the father sees us. Okay. Um, verse 20. And he arose and he came to his dad. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So there it is right there. He had compassion on him. Why do you think so much of your mistakes and so little of how much I love you? Inside my gut, I love you. And he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Are you kidding? This boy didn't even bathe. Apparently, that doesn't matter to the father. Right? I mean, he could have said, go get a shower and I'll hug you. (laughs) Screw up. Go get a shower and I'll kiss you on your neck. All that stuff came before the bath, people. Who did, in the end, you and I were born into sin. Um, We didn't even commit a sin to become a sinner. Are you aware of that? You were actually born into sin according to Scripture. So who, who really has the major issue with sin? Who really has the issue? God does. God has the issue with sin. We we fell right into it. Thanks, Adam. Right? I was born a sinner. I was born without the nature of God. Uh, I was born of my father, the devil, so I had a propensity towards unrighteousness. Well, if the one that sin is a big deal to is God, then I reckon God is the one who needed to fix it. He needed to have done for Him on His end, what would make it right. And only God was going to do that. And He did. It wasn't up to you and I to fix it. He did it. So can I say again, hey, if, if the redemption, the reconciliation was up to me to provide what was holy enough to make this happen, then why aren't you right here? Amen. You know, and that's, that's my love for you. That's my love for all of humanity that you would know the joy of a living daily relationship with God as your Father. Because Jesus paid a super high price for that to happen. And if you believe the lie that you're only going to get to know God and get to you know, know Jesus when you're dead and in heaven, that's a lie on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus brought the Spirit of heaven, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in measure He brought here to you and I so that we can know him now. I remember uh, telling some guys one time a story. I was, uh, I guess I was at a hospital, and we were talking, and somebody had told the story about this guy that had lived his whole life like a heathen, lived his whole life just in the world, miserable. And he gets to his deathbed because he had cancer, and uh, on his deathbed he invited Jesus Christ into his heart and uh meant it with all of his heart. And this guy's telling me that his uh, pastor friend was mad. That this guy had lived his whole life. He lived his whole life in the world. And then, okay, on his deathbed, here's some easy grace for you. Take it to heaven. Let me tell you why that's utterly despicable. Because that guy who had cancer and on his deathbed and all that, lived his whole life without knowing what you and I know. He never... You want to talk about misery? (laughs) I feel sorry for him. He had to do life for 54 years without knowing God. I mean, I'm glad he's in heaven. Praise God. But dude, you think if he had to do it over, you think he'd do it different? You know he would. I don't get mad because people get saved on their deathbed. I feel sorry for them because they didn't know God as their father. Amen. So did I get through this? Yeah. <laughs> this one's called the compassionate and kissing father. It's scene four. Jesus is introducing to us this heavenly father who's got a great big heart of compassion that is way different than what they're used to, the God behind the veil. Who, at the thought of a sinful boy like this, he dropped dead in the temple. And now, the boy did come home, don't get me wrong, but as soon as he gets in the Father's gaze, the Father's the one taking off running. Aren't you glad for the new covenant? <laughs> this is a whole new way of thinking. It's a whole new what? Way of relating to God. John 14, 9, Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God's true nature is? Here He is. Yeah. And it's funny because He told Thomas in John 14, right before verse 9, I think it's in verse 7, He said, if I, they, they said, Show us the Father and we'll believe. He said, Have I been with you so long and you still don't recognize me? That's the Father speaking through the Son right there. You can't, you don't know me. You can't recognize me. Man, I'm going to show myself to you. And I'm going to walk up a hill called Gotha, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to reconcile you to myself because there's no way you were going to make this right. And if he did, man, we should be the happiest people, right? We should be so full of joy. We're the ones who've been reconciled to God. It's hard for me sometimes if I'm on Twitter too much to not get discouraged <laughs> about the world. Right, Elizabeth? <laughs> but listen, the world's going to world. He keeps talking to me. Steve, you got to trust me. Trust me. No matter what happens, trust me. And what happens, trust me. The world's going to do what the world's going to do. You know, as much as it's up to us, let's speak the truth in love. I loved what Ron Bridges said the other day. I think it was our Tuesday uh, M28 group. He just started crying. He said, I don't want to leave. Everybody who's broken and busted are here on this planet. I don't want to leave. I want to help. That's us. And if they martyr us all, so be it. Right? So be it. You'll never see death. That's what Jesus said. If you believe on me, you'll never see death. You'll just simply pass through the membrane from this dimension to the Spirit. Amen. Think about it. So we're used to a God that's going to take us out if sin is discovered. And then Jesus is saying, no, let let me show you the Father. Let me show you what I've come to bring you. And then He is a God who detests sin. But He absolutely loves a sinner. And He absolutely wants sons and daughters living in oneness with Him. This is a major shift right here. We're no longer looking at ourselves. Now we're looking at Him. And that is what has ignited my faith, my hope, and my love. Because I'm looking at Him as the only one who could have made it right. So I celebrate. and And I didn't create the truth, but I do get to know it, come to know it, and dance with it. Remember when I told you last week. It's worth saying again. That word father saw him. The word saw is. Horeo. 3708. In your strong concordance. Uh, it's easy to remember. Just remember this. Hooray for Horeo. <laughs> because. Horeo. Means. To perceive. To discern. To see spiritually. With the mind. And the inward part of the heart. So when he saw him, he didn't even see his boy after the flesh. He saw him by the Spirit. He saw him by the purity of his own heart. <laughs> Not the purity. His son wouldn't carry much purity. So he saw him by the purity of his own heart. Isn't that a great word, guys? His father saw him. How does he kiss him? How does he, how does he totally ignore how smelly he is? How dirty he is? He doesn't see him. He doesn't know him by the flesh. He sees and knows them by the Spirit. And that's what I want you to do when a brother or sister falls into calamity. I want you to know them by the Spirit. I want you to encourage them back to who they really are and who they belong to. Amen? If they're born again, you don't need to heap guilt and shame on them. I guarantee you. When you're born again, the the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He convicts us of wrongdoing. So encourage them. Remind them who they are. Amen. Husbands and wives, when, when the other one blows it, you know, go back to how we tell people we love them. Uh, be there for them. Encourage them. See them in Horeao by the Spirit. The word compassion here defined is to be moved with love in the deepest part of your being. Moved with love in the deepest part of your being we got time for one more? (laughs) The generous father, a parade of restoration. Scene 5. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, (laughs) he didn't even respond to the boy. (laughs) And the boy, what do you think he's thinking, Kyle? I mean... He hadn't even got a speech out yet. The father's already tackled him. (laughs) He's already kissed him, fell on his neck, and then he's like, listen, Dad, I gotta get this out. I gotta make this right. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) I'm not even worthy to be your son. What was the rest of it? Put me in the bunkhouse. So he, he doesn't even get to that part. He does not get to um, make me as one of your hired servants. So the father interrupts him by yelling to the servants, hey, bring out the best robe, put it on him. What's that? Dignity. Family lineage. You're mine. Thief is a, sorry, (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Shame is a thief of intimacy. Let's get the shame off the boy. Put the robe on him. Put a ring on his hand. What kind of ring? you scholars. Signet ring. What does that mean? You can conduct business. You have authority in the family's name. You conduct business on your father's behalf. These are yours. So I know you're looking at the prodigal, but you're a son and you have all three of these. You've got a robe of absolute dignity. And righteousness, where your father and being part of his family is concerned. Number two, you've got a signet ring, which means you bear your father's name and authority. You can conduct business on his behalf. You can represent him. That's what it means. And then, sandals on his feet. You are not a slave. You're a son. That was the difference. Your family, right? The sons and daughters had sandals on their feet. Slaves don't have shoes. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this son, whose son? My son. My son. He was dead. But he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. That's super important because we get into it next week. The older brother won't even say, he's my brother. He keeps saying, then this son of yours, he's disowned him. wonder if he ever told his brother he loved him. I seem to be stuck on that. If we tell people we love them, then can we please demonstrate it when you find out they're not perfect? Scott, you guys can come. So scene five, we got a generous Father and a parade of restoration. A parade, I think, even of redemption. That's what I was saying earlier. We all have a past. Bless you. We all have a past. We all need Jesus. And uh, He's a redemptive Father. Let Him use whatever mistakes that you've made. He'll redeem them. He'll cause them to work together for your good, your kids' good, your grandchildren. Will you stand with me? We'll continue this next week. And then we'll have Dwayne Sheriff after that. If you're here this morning and you say, Brother Steve, I've never known God in this way. I've never known Jesus Christ could come into my heart, make me a brand new person and literally a child of God. Like... Of him, that I would be his son. I would be his daughter. I've never heard this. I've never, I've never asked Jesus into my heart that I could become a son or daughter. But you want to do that this morning? Will you just slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, pray for me? I want, I want to know Christ. Thank you, Carl. Anybody else? I want to know Christ in this way. I want to be born again. Okay? If you're here this morning and you'd say you're tired of relating as a slave, from a distance which let's be honest is foolishness we don't even have enough merits to relate to god from a distance much less close but if you say brother steve i want sonship i want daughtership i want to know the reality of oneness and today i'm asking for the holy spirit's help anybody here say pray for me thank you amen father in jesus name i thank you for the power of the holy spirit the fire of the Holy Spirit, let the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself begin to emerge within each and every one of us, that we are our Father's beloved children, born of His Spirit. Right now, in the authority of Jesus Christ, I crush all shame and guilt off of the lives of these precious people. Satan, I bind you as the accuser of the brethren. I bind you and command you to cease and desist all accusation, shame and guilt and condemnation against the people of God. We sever ties with it. Amen, church? We sever ties with all the guilt and shame and accusation. That is not who we are. And Father, because of what you've done, We're going to walk out of here today and we're going to live in oneness. We're going to live out side by side, you and me and I and you, relationship on a daily basis. Because how I got here was because of you and not me. I take you at your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Let's sing this together. Go ahead, Matt.